When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? We've got a great guest today on the Mastery Mindset Podcast, Jordan Montgomery. He's the owner of Montgomery Companies, uh, a highly regarded performance coach, keynote speaker, whose clients include business executives, sales organizations, and entrepreneurs. From small town Iowa to a dominant forest in the performance coaching industry, Jordan travels the country speaking and coaching to executives at Fortune 500 companies, pro athletes, and sales people. In addition to his work speaking and coaching, Jordan is an accomplished business leader who has managed top performing sales teams in the financial service industry. Jordan resides in Tiffin, Iowa with his wife, Ashley, and his daughters, Audrey, Claire, and Olivia. When he's not writing, coaching, or speaking, Jordan spends time with his family and enjoys the outdoors. He's the lover of sports and all things Iowa Hawkeyes. Jordan's a good friend of mine. I was on his podcast. So pumped to have him on mine. Jordan is a connector, a person of faith. So I learned a ton this episode. Sit back, take some notes. Let's learn from Jordan Montgomery. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Master Your Mindset podcast, the spot to get your mind right. You can't just train your body. You can't just train your craft. You got to train your mind. I'm so excited today. Today, we have a special guest, a dear friend, Jordan Montgomery. He's a founder a business owner. He is um, a performance coach. He's a, a, a husband. He's a father. He's just an absolute stud. And I've been so blessed to know this guy for the last uh, few months. And he's a strong believer. Jordan, what, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, Colin, Tanner. Awesome to hang out with you guys today. I've been following the podcast and I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, a lot. And so thank you for having me. This is fun. When, when you look at in this day and age, man, there's a lot of speakers, a lot of coaches, but I remember Jordan left me a voicemail and my wife heard it. She's like, whose voice is that? This guy has the most amazing voice, poise and command. Like she was impressed just hearing a voicemail, brother. So I know you're one of the best in the biz. I get to follow you and watch your content and you are killing it right now. Well, hey, Tanner's the radio personality, just so we're clear. So <laughs> like, I'm not on radio. I'm, I'm not on TV. That's Tanner. And you're the one with the silver tongue, man. So I'm learning from you. Uh, and it, it's fun. I would say this, man. Like I've just enjoyed connecting with other people who communicate for a living. Whether they publicly communicate or they communicate to lead their team. I just really enjoy studying the art of communication and connecting with other communicators. And the two of you are two of those types of people. So um, this is fun. I'm going to get better today. We're going to learn. We're going to have some fun. Hopefully, we provide some value in the process. And uh, thanks, thanks again for having me. I love it. Well, I'd love for you to give us kind of your, kind of your story right now. Like, tell us what you're doing now. Tell us, tell us all, all that, like what, what you're doing and all that. Yeah, I can tell you what I'm doing now, but I won't tell you what I'm doing now without telling you about the journey because it sounds good, right? And we get to talk about the stuff that we're doing now, but um, the reality is there was a lot of hard stuff and a lot of mistakes and a lot of loss, a lot of failure that got us to this point. And I just want to be really authentic in how we share today. That's important to me. So um, today, I'm the owner of Montgomery Companies, which is a full-scale coaching and consulting firm. 
So we have several thousand clients, most of whom are in the people business. They're in the people business or the performance business. So they're athletes, coaches, leaders, salespeople, entrepreneurs. That's kind of our demographic. And we have 10 coaching partners. My wife runs the business. I run my mouth. So she is the true CEO. Uh, I get to do this all day, every day. So I work with groups and teams. I'm a keynote speaker and also a coach. Uh, we have a few select individuals in our executive coaching program, but the rest of my coaching work is with teams, which is where I've really developed a passion. Uh, I had a background in financial services uh, that ultimately propelled me into the space that I'm in today. But man, it's a ton of fun. Uh, we get to work on the art of communication. We get to work on building culture, attracting talent, retaining talent, optimization, performance. All of it to me fits inside the bucket of leadership, leading self and leading others, which is at the core of our work. So live in Southeast Iowa, uh, married to my wife, Ashley, we have three children and we're just living each day, one day at a time. I love it. So kind of what, what got you into the place where you're doing this like thing in business, you have a company that you're working for and then you're having some and having success killing it. What was the point that says, hey, I'm going to do this on my on my own? Well, God's grace is the answer to that question and a lot of good people. Uh, but like you all, like, like people listening, I had some mentors. I had some people in my life that showed me uh, a path and showed me that it was possible to do this work. So I'll give a shout out to a couple guys, uh, Ben Newman, John Wright Sr., Tim Bohannon. Like there's some people that were in the space of public communication, executive coaching, performance coaching. And I just realized um, there was a lot about their life that I found attractive. They were impacting people. They were leading. Uh, they had autonomy. I feel like, uh, and, I, and I felt like in many ways, I thought, I, you know, I could do that work. Uh, maybe not right away, but someday. So I had a fallout. I was 27 years old. I was kind of on top of the world or so I thought in the financial services business. Um, and I was working around the clock, like 14 hour days. I was grinding. Uh, I was building my kingdom. And I forgot that it's God's job to build the kingdom, right? And our job to plant seeds. And so uh, instead of planting seeds, I was trying to build a kingdom. And I was running really fast, working really hard. 27 years old, I have a staff member on my team that takes an internal test. I didn't report it because I didn't report it. I got terminated temporarily. Uh, when I got terminated temporarily, I lost about 95% of my clients, which meant I lost about 95% of my revenue. I was involved in a major real estate project. The real estate project went sideways. Um, and within about 48 hours, I went from the penthouse to the outhouse and I stood on the door of bankruptcy. Uh, and for a guy that found all of his identity and his achievement and his status and his bank account, it just hurt way worse than it ever should have. So I know there's some people that listening that can relate, like we all go through tough stuff, but that was kind of my valley moment. And I just experienced real brokenness. Uh, it was very public. My reputation was damaged. Um, lost several million dollars in the process. Uh, I got my job back. So I was still allowed to be a financial advisor, but I just lost all my clients. I, lo I lost my book of business because the organization that I was, I had to kind of relocate. I wasn't going to work with the same team. So I think one of the hardest questions to ask is what part of the problem is me? And I, I spent a lot of time placing blame, pointing fingers, sort of excusing my mistake. Um, but the minute I owned the mistake, you know, Brene Brown says, when you deny the story, it defines you. When you own the story, you can write a brand new ending. And when I started to just kind of own my story, things started to evolve and doors started to open. And um, at about 29 years old, I, I started coaching on the side. I had already been speaking and coaching, but really in the financial services world. And I thought, you know, I'm going to start 
working with other types of people. And, um, you know, one thing led to another, we eventually replaced the revenue from the financial services business on the coaching side, got open doors, uh, things just started to explode. And I looked at my wife, I said, Hey, I think we could do this full time. And we never looked back. And so today we've, we built a team. Uh, God continues to provide. We've met some amazing people and it's just turned into a really meaningful business. I love that. Now, if, knowing, what you know, knowing what you know now, if you can go back in time to that person who was 27, who had the, the penthouse and the outhouse, basically what you've learned from mistakes, failures. If you have some keys you would teach yourself during that time, I would love to uh, you know, hear those. Yeah. So I think about a guy like Tanner, right? So I'm, I'm staring here at Tanner, having a conversation with you all. And Tanner is obviously the supremely talented young man. And I, Colin, you and I are still young. We're just not as young as Tanner, right? And I wish when I was Tanner's age that I would have spent more time thinking about who I was becoming and less time on what I was doing. I spent a lot of time focused on what I was building, what I was accomplishing, and I prioritized what before who. And the problem is when you do that, you could accomplish a lot, but your goals might take you to a place you never intended to go. So for me, my, my goals were actually ahead of my values. Like my priorities were just kind of out of whack. And so I, I, I eventually got to a place where my, my goals literally took me to a place where I never intended to go. I wasn't ready to handle that level of success. I wasn't ready to handle the level of money. And ultimately, I, I wasn't ready to handle the responsibility. And so I think if I could go back, Colin, I'd work on my relationships, my people skills, my understanding, my faith. Uh, those were things that I would say I cared about. And I would say I was working on those things. But my calendar and my daily activities would suggest otherwise. And then the other thing that I would tie to that is I wasn't getting enough feedback, like real feedback from the people around me. And I think when you have success or influence at a, at a really early age, it's super important. And both of you guys know this, having success at a young age, it's super important that you get feedback. Because the more success you have, the fewer people around you are, are willing to share the truth and to be honest. So I just, mm -hmm. I just didn't have a lot of people around me that were willing to be honest and, and, and were willing to call me out. And I certainly wasn't asking for that. And mm -hmm. we all know this in relationships that truth trumps flattery. I just needed some more people around me that were willing to share the truth. And I needed to ask for the truth. So I would say, man, prioritize who before what, focus on values before goals. Mm -hmm. And I wish I would have asked for a lot more feedback along the way. Hmm. So on, on that note, what feedback have you gotten that was like amazing for you? Like, wow, that was helpful. Well, you know, I think um, ironically, the, the best feedback that I've gotten has come from my wife and my children. I know that's probably true for you too, Colin, like, because it's always real. It's pretty honest. It's unfiltered and it's timely. So, um, you know, stuff like, Hey, uh, you're really selfish. Like that was a selfish decision or that was a dumb decision. Um, you know, feedback, like you're not in the word, like you should be, uh, you're not staying connected to the vine. Uh, what you say and what you do are two different things because those are the things that cut, right? Like I get feedback on how I communicate and like little things that I do in business all day long, but it doesn't really change my behavior. When your child, you know, calls you out for what you say and what you do and those, those two things being different, that's like, I need to probably change my behavior 
as in dad you're, you're always on your phone yeah like, hey, like, don't like tell, you, yes. you, you should you should play with me i'm like oh that one really hurt yeah like you're trying to answer this email or this text message on this person this client yeah i know that's hard. so how about this you know you we, we train leaders we both train executive ceos and um a lot of times they're looking for some direction coaching on how to give feedback the right way so I think it's really important to be open for feedback, have systems in place at our marriage or business where we're kind of going back and forth, giving feedback, but, or receiving it, but how do we give it the right way? Well, I, I think number one, it starts with relationship. You got to have a great relationship as, as a foundation and a framework. Um, I think if you're giving feedback, you need to help somebody understand uh, why you're giving the feedback. And I know that sounds like common sense, but I, common sense isn't common practice, right? I want to explain the why behind the what. And it's not to caveat or preface. People say like, oh, you're just trying to soften the blow. No, that's not what it's about. It's about, I'm, I want somebody to know my heart behind my message. That's really important. So I could say to Colin, I could say, hey, Colin, I care about you. I love you. And because I love you, I'm willing to share this. Hey, Colin, I see something in you. You've got potential. And because I see something in you, I'm willing to share this. You know, we say stuff in our coaching business, like it's my job to prioritize your future over your feelings. I've got to care more about your cause than your comfort. And whether you say that directly or your actions speak that indirectly, like, I, I think we need to make sure that somebody understands the heart behind the message. I agree. So I agree. What, what, I would say, what would you say to that? Would yeah, say I would that? say, I would say you got to care first. Number one, you have to build the time to know the person, ask the questions. It's relationship over connection, just the connection is not enough relationship. So they know that they're seen, heard, loved and respected. And this is a safe place. Number two is I think we need to have systems in place like this systems where we lay out the expectations really clear up front. I like to joke that 93.5% of drama is going to be squashed if we lay out that expectation up front. I just made that set up, but I think it's real. Yes. So just give that clear <laughs> expectation in, in marriage, in parenting, in business. Um, but I think honesty is just number one. We have to be honest. And if, if you try to half say it and because you want to not hurt feelings, you have to be honest. An honest cut is going to heal better than yeah. a jagged half truth. You know? Come on. And but I think feedback goes both ways. Give good feedback as well as we have to get better here. So don't yeah. just give feedback if it's bad. Like, let's give feedback. Let's compliment. Let's congratulate. Let's console. But the feedback goes both ways. So that's not always when they hear from me, it's like this bad thing, right? Yeah, that's so good, man. That's so good. And I think the mindset shift has to be, if I'm not willing to give the feedback, it's actually really selfish. Like, it's not loving to, um, to not share, right? Like when, when, when I don't share, I'm, I'm effectively saying, I'm essentially saying with my actions, I care about my own comfort over your future. Yep. Or if you're in charge of leading an organization or a team, it's like, I care about my own comfort over the sake of this team or over the sake of the organization. Mm -hmm. So I think the mindset shift has to be like, no, my job is to care about the sake of the organization ahead of my own comfort. And it's to prioritize Colin's future over my feelings. Well, and I would, I would prioritize as a culture of this team is uh, growth over outcome. If we're not yeah. failing, we're not growing. So let's wow. just make it basic. Let's teach Carol Dweck's model growth mindset versus fixed mindset. If we're not getting feedback, if we don't want feedback. We have a fixed. We're not growing. We're not expanding. Let's celebrate failure and almost like, yo, you went for that thing. And 
crash and burn, but that was awesome. Here's some things yes. you can do to get better. Like, there's not bad to fail. Like, we actually celebrate it and let's fail and grow with it. Let's 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 fail forward. I think creating that culture up front, the expectation is let's try new stuff, let's experiment, let's be curious. And I'm gonna let you know when it doesn't work, but it's gonna be in a place of like, that was awesome. You just messed up. That was awesome. Here's a few things you can do, right? That's so good. Yeah, and because mm-hmm. how many times we only give feedback or praise when things go well? Mm-hmm. And you know, and I, I think another form of feedback and, and another conversation starter that we need to inject w- w- with our teams is like, what did you learn? Not what did you do, but what do you learn? What do you mm-hmm. learn? What that. mistake did you make last week that caused you to mm-hmm. learn something new? What did you mm-hmm. attempt that allowed you to fall flat on your face. Like, what are you going to do differently next time? What did you learn as mm-hmm. a result of how you failed? So I love, mm-hmm. I love what you just shared, man, about praising people and giving feedback, not just when things go wrong, or sorry, not just when things go well, but when they go wrong. But I think it's all how you frame it. It's all framing. It's how you totally. frame it. It's how you set it up. Um, but let's on this topic of feedback and failure. What are some misses that leaders do? What are some common mistakes that you see when you go and you consult you look at these businesses look at these teams coaches leaders and you notice hey i've noticed you're kind of missing a few things here like what are some common misses that that you've that you've seen well i think with leaders one is we don't ask for feedback either we don't ask for feedback at all or we don't ask for the right type of feedback so like here's here's i see this a lot colin i want you to weigh in on this as well um, and Tanner, I'd love to hear from you too, but I, I want, one of the things that I hear often is people say stuff like, Hey, can I get some feedback? That's like the worst question you could ask. It's super vague. The response is never going to be honest. And it's very difficult to respond to the natural response. When somebody asks that, if, if they ask you that question, the natural response should be to what, right? Specific questions leads to specific feedback. And I think we think we're asking for feedback when we say something like, hey, can I get some feedback? That's not asking for feedback. That's asking a dumb question. So I think if I really want to get feedback, like on my communication style, I might say, hey, Colin, hey, Tanner, one of the things I'm working on is my pace and tonality. I've noticed it's been an issue for me recently. You know, my, my, for whatever reason, my communication isn't resonating and I'm really working on my tonality and my pace. Would you mind providing some feedback on that topic and just speaking into that for me? Well, now I've created a space for you to give real, honest, and timely feedback. So that's one is I just think leaders don't slow down to ask for feedback enough. Um, and I'm just, I want to pause there because I, I want the two of you to weigh in on that because I know you're working with leaders all day, every day. And, and I, I, w- I would love to hear your thoughts on how we ask for feedback. Well, I like that. Like I said, if I'm, if I'm hitting, if I'm a baseball player, I'm hitting and you just ask a coach just to give you feedback on your swing, it could be like, it can go 10 million different directions and we can't fix everything. So say, hey, I'm really working on the ball on, on the outer half. I mean, we're going to drive the ball to the right center. Can you just watch this round in the cage or watch, you know, this game and see what, see what you notice? With my, is it my head placement? Is it my hand? So I think giving them a, a ballpark framework to look at because it can go all over the place if it's not, hey, I'm working on this. And the other thing, leaders, are you working on something? How about that question? Let's start there. Yeah. That's are you good. are you actively looking to improve yourself? So, so I think what you said is is, is beautiful. But it, but again, it goes it comes down to to systems. We don't rise to our goals. We follow our systems. So is there systems in place where you have someone that is checking in? That's you're having this this open dialogue. Where it's not it's not random. It's like hey, 
once every you know, few weeks, we have a, a meeting where we're going to talk about improvement, what's working, what's not working, how we can get better. So you, there's a dialogue. Also, the other thing I learned about feedback is you don't have to be best friends, but you should know your people. Every leader should know the goals of their people. Like, what are your, how can I, what are your goals? Like, what do you want? How can I help you get there? What's your why, your purpose? So having that as a backdrop, it's easier to get feedback. That's so true. Yeah, well, you have to know your audience. And I think you also have to ask people for feedback that have a different perspective. Oh. You know, like where you sit determines what you see and you see something different than other people see. So like, if you're a new member to the organization, you might feel like, well, I can't really give feedback to the CEO because I'm brand new. Well, the reality is the CEO needs your feedback big time. Because you see something that the people on his or her executive team don't see. And so I think the tendency is as leaders, we tend to get feedback from other leaders. You know, we tend to get feedback from our peer group. And I work with a CEO right now. I just call him out. His name is Dave Keeker and really brilliant guy. He's become a very close friend of mine. And here's something he says to all of his new people. And I noticed that he does this. It's, kind of, it's different. He'll say, I can't wait to learn from you. And he's setting an expectation that he stands to learn something from his newest and most inexperienced team members. It's like, I can't wait to learn from you. I've got something that I can learn from. And by the way, I expect to learn from you. And so whether you're the director of first impressions that sits out front, whether you do administrative work, operational work, whether you're on the executive team or you're brand new, I stand to learn something new from you. And I'm going to set the expectation that you will provide me feedback and that we're going to engage in a relationship that's mutually beneficial based upon the feedback that we'll give each other. And I think that's a real opportunity. Tanner, I, I want you to speak into that because uh, being a young guy who's involved in a lot of work with leaders, I'd love to hear how you internalize that. Yeah, no, for sure. I think a big thing that you were kind of talking about is being super specific on that feedback um, and also intentionally listening to people when they're giving you feedback taking it not as a way that, hey, this is me trying to put you down, but this is me wanting you to get better. Um, and I think just getting into that mindset that no matter what they say, to accept it and be like, okay, this is them wanting the best for me. Learn from this, take it and use it in your next experience. I kind of was calling my first college football game on Saturday night. It had an experience where someone came up to me afterwards and was like, Hey, would you like some feedback? Cause they were in the studio. So they were listening, listening and watching me the whole time. And, and just some of the stuff they said, it's like something I don't even notice. And it's like, Hey, this is them. I, I know they want the best for me. I know they want me to be better. So this is them right there telling me, Hey, this is what I think you could do better um, to help yourself out next time. So I think it's just accepting that it's people wanting the best for you when they're giving you your feedback. That's great, T-Money. And I would add this with what you're saying. And mm -hmm. I was working with this school in schools. It's crazy. There's COVID. Kids are back to school. There's masks. There's mandates. And there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. And one of the keys I said, hey, one of our focuses this year, especially this month as kids come back to school, is assume positive intent. Mm. Yeah, that's good. For let's sure. assume positive intent. So when they're talking and sharing, let's assume that the mistake or the feedback is at a place of love, not like you're, you're stupid or I don't care about you. But as, as much as we get feedback, um, Team Money and, uh, and Jordan, let's, as much as we give, uh, here's an issue to improve but, or a problem, here's a solution. If it's all problem, problem, wrong, 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 we have to also give you feedback or receive feedback. Let's hunt some, here's a solution too. 
you know? Yes. Yes. And, and I think as leaders, we have to put it on display when we receive feedback. Mm-hmm. So let, let's make people aware that we value feedback based on how we share our experiences with other people. So for example, I could say in a team meeting, I could say, hey, Tanner shared this with me recently and it was incredibly valuable. And I could, I could call Tanner out in a positive way. Like, hey, Tanner, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Because when you do that as a leader, you signal to everybody else around you that you're open to feedback and you want feedback. And I know that sounds like common sense, but common sense isn't always common practice. Mm. And so um, we got to really work at that as, as leaders. Hey, what's up, Master Mindset listeners? Colin here, your mindset coach. I'm so excited. You can order my new book, Quiet Mind and Quiet Mind for Kids, right now on Amazon. Get the tools and strategies and tactics that I haven't shared on this podcast. So you get a mental emotional toolkit to lower nerves and increase unshakable confidence to perform at your best. I got Quiet Mind, which is for teens and adults, and Quiet Mind for Kids, which is for the youngsters and parents. Our kids need tools today to be their best. So go to Amazon right now and get your copy. Okay, so we got leaders. So we got feed, like looking more creative ways to get feedback. What else? Well, I think communication. I think, uh, I think as leaders, we got to do a better job of communicating. You know, most people need to hear something seven or eight times before it sticks. And we think we can say it once or twice and it's good enough. And it's just not good enough. You know, so just because you said it doesn't mean that people heard it or will do it. Like you got to put yourself on repeat. You're not just the CEO. You're the CRO. You're the chief reminding officer of your organization. And I think we also need to remember, like people need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. And I think as leaders, the, the, the temptation is that, man, I got to bring something new. I got to bring something fresh, something that my people haven't heard before. I need to package this in a sexy way where it's going to reach them. And it's actually like, as, as a leader, that's not your job. Your job is to remind people of what they already know or what they need to hear. And I think, and, and I'm going to ask you guys about this in a second, like, when I think about the most effective pastors, the most effective parents, the most effective teachers, what do they do? They stay on topic. And they just remind people over and over and over of the same thing. Like you think about the life of Jesus, right? Jesus spoke in parables. What did he say? Love yourself, love your neighbor, love God. Love yourself, love your neighbor, love God. He stayed on topic. And so I fall into that trap. I think as a leader is it's like, okay, team meeting, speaking engagement, quarterly meeting, annual review. I got to show up and give something new to my people. And they didn't need something new. They needed the truth. They needed to, to stay the course. And so I, I'd love just to hear how you all are experiencing that and evaluating yeah, and working with leaders. I love, I love this conversation. So one question I asked when I'm training teams on culture, I said, what's the number one killer of culture? And people started throwing stuff out. And I said, well, based off of my research and what I've assessed, Lack of communication is the number one killer of culture, where you just assume they heard it one time and you just assume or something happens, you just assume you're not talking, like proactively working on it. Another thing is, I think leaders do one of two things. They don't talk enough or they talk too much and they just ramble for a half hour instead of just give me that core message in five minutes. But the other thing is they don't have a core message. They don't have a pillar or pillars for the year that they're going to just go back to and go back to it's like all over the place it's just like junk drawer of like all this random stuff so i think leaders do you have like a core message do you have like core values or pillars that we're trying to execute during this quarter this season this whatever it is and i wrote that down cro chief reminding officer 
that's really good, man. I'm learning. Tanner, you want, you want to share? Yeah, that's super good. And then real quick, touching on the communication thing. I think one thing I've heard that I, I try to follow is it's always better to over-communicate than under-communicate. It's always going to be more beneficial if you're over-communicating, telling people every step of the way, as opposed to under-communicating in relationships and leadership. That's just always going to be so beneficial. Yeah, because here's what happens when you're not sharing, talking about things, the brain has a bias for negativity. It's going to start making up stories. It's going to try to connect the dots on what's happening. And because the brain's negative, it's going to come up with this negative false story. um, And you're going to get resentment and frustration. And then it's just this cascade effect. So we can be super clear up front. Expectations, 93.5% kills the drama, you know, and just let it be super clear. And then oftentimes remind, I love that CRO, man. I, I love that. Well, and to Tanner's point that the cost of over-communicating is always less significant than the cost of under-communicating. So like if you're listening to Colin's question, to Tanner's point, I'd ask yourself the question, am I over-communicating in my organization? And the other thing that we could lean into this is I think you-focused communication is a really big deal. So if I'm a leader, I'm just focused on you, 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 you. But how many times do we lead in our communication style with I, me, and my? Mm-hmm. We do it repeatedly with our clients, with the, the people we train, teach, lead. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think the reason that's important is because attention is currency. And, and you keep somebody's attention when you're focused on them, right? Like a person's favorite sound is their own name. Their favorite topic is themselves. So, if, you know, if I'm trying to connect with Tanner, you know, let's say Tanner's a new team member whether this is a sports team or I'm in business, I could say, hey, Tanner, I want to tell you about who we are, how we do things. Man, I want to invite you to our culture and, and our style. And, you know, and, and Tanner might pay attention. Or I could say, hey, Tanner, I want to meet you where you're at. Man, I want to come alongside you. I want to empower you to be a part of our team. And I want to change your life. And I'm super excited that you are on our team. So again, I know that sound. I mean, I feel like calling it. No, 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 that's true. It's it's truth though. So simple, right? It's just simple. And it's like, somebody's listening. They're like, dude, like that's just stupid, simple. And it is, but we forget it. Like I just, we, we forget in our leadership style that these things matter. And I would say this, if you're a coach of a, of a sports team, if you're a a sales leader and we have these check-ins, I mean, oftentimes, you know, in practice, you have to address the team in these sales meetings, you have to address the team. Most coaches or, or leaders, they're just, they're talented. Like they're really talented and they let their talent, they can just wing it. But I think we need to treat that, that five minute address to the team. Like it's a practice period. Like we're going to do this drill and this drill. Like you have it. You're going to tell a story. You're going to pose a question to the team. You're going to either inspire them or just see what, 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 what does my team need now and be intentional about how you're going to show up and don't just wing it. Because when you start winging it, there's no clear message. It's all over the place and you might go over time. But schedule that time like you would schedule, like I'm calling on a customer. But this is a customer. It's my internal customer, right? Yeah, I think if you're not preparing for that time, it can work against you more than it works for you. How many coaches, we've all had them, right? We're like, here he goes again or here she goes again. And it's like, then there's the chatter behind the scenes and people kind of start poking fun at the coach and, it just, it happens all the, and what it is, is a lack of preparation. If they would have, mm-hmm. to your point, Colin, put in a little bit of time into the message, into what they're going to say, if it was others focused, 
if it was the truth instead of the new fresh thing that the coach thought the team needed to hear, they would have been a whole lot more effective. Couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. I love it. So how about the, you want to do it anymore? So we got feedback and how we're sharing information. Is there another one or you want to want to keep, keep moving something else? No, I, mean, I, think more? All, I, think, I think all that, I, I think all that stems uh, or, or maybe funnels up to the greatest leadership issue, which is a lack of self-awareness. And each one of us, like, I hope that I never stop growing in my self-awareness. And I think the reality is that none of us become more self-aware on our own. It just takes coaching and feedback and tools and systems and processes to become more self-aware. So um, I think you could probably take a lot of what we're talking about and fit it inside that bucket. So if you, if you were, to, if you were to break down self-awareness, what key points or pillars would you do to assess that? Well, I think it's a greater understanding of the world around you. And it's, it's also an acute understanding of how the world is experiencing you. It's not about how you experience you. It's about how other people experience you. Like mm. when we speak, how many times do we focus on what we say and it's the wrong focus? Oh. The focus needs to be on what people hear. And if you're focused on what people hear instead of what you say, it will actually change your message. It will change the way that you communicate. I just wrote that down. That's great. So it's not how did you experience you? How did they experience? But it's, but it's caring and being curious about, you know, how was the energy? How was the questions? How were the activities? Were they engaged? Were they confused? Was it clear? Did I show empathy? Did I show that I cared? Was, was I vulnerable? Were they locked in? Were they thinking about something else? Was I optimizing strengths so I can, yeah. you know, vibe better with the audience? Um, I'm, let's, let's keep going on self-awareness. Anything else? Well, I just think, um, I think part of having great self-awareness, I'm working with a, self, a, a leader the other day on the topic of self-awareness. And he says to me, I'll never forget. This is a, this was a, a, a moment. I'll never forget it. He says, you know, I didn't really become self-aware until about five years ago. So here's the point. He considers himself to be self-aware. And he is literally one of the least self-aware people that I know. So if you're sitting here listening to this and you're like, yeah, man, self-awareness, like that's me. I'm super self-aware. Like I got that figured out. Like let's move on to something else. Like there's a chance that you maybe actually have a lot of work to do in the topic because the paradox of education says the more we learn, the more we realize we don't know. So to me, the, the greatest leaders, the most effective leaders keep a really open mind. I can learn something new from every person that I meet and from every situation that I'm in. And as long as that's your posture, you'll continue to grow in self-awareness. But the minute we think we've arrived there and it's like, yep, I, I think I got that one down. And I think that's a really dangerous place to be. Would you all agree with that? 100%. Yeah. Tanner, you want, you want to jump in? Yeah, no, I agree 100% there. I think that's such a big thing. And a quick question for you. I was just kind of thinking on the self-awareness, like what are your go-tos? Like how would you tell someone to, to work on developing that self-awareness and bettering that self-awareness? So I had a coach that I worked with for a long time and he, he would say this, you got to ask for help every day. Because mm. part of asking for feedback is also asking for help. And I think sometimes our insecurities don't allow us to ask for help. Yeah. So regardless of how much you've accomplished or on the other end of it, maybe you don't feel accomplished or you feel unworthy. Like I'm too inexperienced. I'm too young. 
Um, how could I possibly ask Colin for help? Like he's done all this crazy stuff and he's super gifted and he's got this amazing following. Well, who knows? You might ask Colin, you might say, Hey, Colin, you might drop him a DM. Hey, would you be willing to help me? Yeah. And that conversation could be, could be life-changing. And so in my own leadership journey and in my own life, I know I've got a lot of work to do in self-awareness. And I know I also have to ask for help. So one of the things I try to focus on, Tanner, is I just, I, I try to ask for help on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. So I'll just yeah. jump in. When I'm teaching self-awareness, I usually ask some questions to help them uncover self-awareness. So the first question just is simple. I'm obviously a mindset special. I'm, I deal with the mind. So my question is like, where, where's your focus most of the time? That's the first one. Past, present, future. I like to ask, how is your self-talk? How's your self-talk? Is it productive, unproductive? I mean, how's your inner voice? Like, would you on scale, you know, 10 is really good, one horrible, like give me a number, we can kind of work there. Um, I'd also like to know like strengths, like what, what, what gives you energy? Where do you feel most likely yourself? What, what does it feel like, you know, you're in, in your power? Also being curious, like what, what, are you, what are you curious about? What do you research? What do you talk about? Like that's a strength. And then like areas of weakness, I'm looking at like blind spots. Where are some blind spots? I'd love to observe you for a day and then just share, you know, this is what I saw. You do this amazing. Here's some, okay, here's some areas of improvement. But just like, like you said, being open to, to, to receive that. That's, that, that's why, Colin, you are so effective at what you do. And I just want you to receive that um, because what you just said, you live out. And you also understand how screwed up we are, I think, internally, which is why you're so passionate about this work, right? Which sure. is why this show is called Master Your Mindset. <laughs> and, and I just appreciate the work that you're doing to help people on that journey because it's so necessary. And uh, I just took a bunch of notes on what you, I mean, that was gold. Thanks for sharing. Well, no, but I, I love that. I wrote this down. Self-awareness, how, how do you experience you? How do others experience you dude that's money we can end the podcast right there and i can just riff off that for an hour and come up with a whole podcast series on that um that's legit too i think i think part of this conversation you know focusing on and having conversations on these topics also helps you grow in your self-awareness right like your environment the people places and things that consistently show up in your life are all a part of that journey mm. and are a part of your leadership journey you know? is, is, is there a leader that, that, that really touched you? Can you give us a story about like, man, I was going through this or this leader or coach taught me this, or I was at this state and then this experience, what they taught you, then I was able to, to move to, to this place, you know? Man, so many stories uh, of people who've touched me and helped me over the course of my life. But I'm going to tell like, a, you know, most of all the, this, the moments that really mean a lot to us were usually the most simple. You know, like, I think the two of you could probably relate to that. So I'm thinking back on my life, like the, the, the moments where I was, I was really moved or touched um, emotionally. Uh, I was sitting with my dad at a Longhorn Steakhouse and I'd just been fired from my job. And it was like one of the worst days. Like I was at my low point. I was bleeding financially. My reputation's damaged. I've got a zillion people asking me questions. Uh, the bank wants information. Like it just, it was just horrible. It was awful. I kind of went into a hole. I just hung out with my family and a good friend of mine named Dave uh, sent me a really kind message and he just reaffirmed my gifts. 
And I don't know why I remember that, but I do. And he was like, hey, Jordan, this is who God made you to be. These are the character traits that you have. This is the good stuff that's in you. And he gave me that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I have great plans for you, says the Lord. Plans for you to prosper. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And um, I say that to say this. You just never know how your words and how your actions are going to meet someone. I think Dave knew that I was hurting, but I don't think he knew that that moment would be one of the most powerful moments on my leadership journey as I cut into a steak with my dad over a, you know, crappy beer in Corval, Iowa. Uh, but it was a big, 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 big deal. So um, to answer your question, that for me was, it was a big moment. And there's been a lot of them, but oftentimes they're simple, you know. Um, how about for you? Do you think about, is there a moment for you and your leadership journey, Colin and Tanner, I'll ask you the same thing that really stuck out to you where somebody touched you or moved you as a leader? Yeah, I remember um, my first sales quarter, um, GSK, uh, the, the, the meds I was selling, I mean, I had like my first quarter, first time in like corporate sales, I, you know, suit and tie and have these doctors I gotta go see and here's the products I'm selling. And there's, it's my first time like rankings and quota and the first uh, quarter, I didn't do very well. And my uh, boss at the time was like, call my, my first six months, like I was, I was the, the, the lowest ranking person on the entire company. Like I was horrible. So, and then I figured it out because you need some time to learn. So just don't even worry about it. Like I, you're doing the great, the right behaviors. You're trying, you're getting these calls. So just, you know, like your, one of your friends told you, like you have skills, you have traits, just keep trusting. And then the next quarter, I was number one in the whole region. So just like you said, just not panicking and not just focusing on. So I think giving people hope is a really powerful thing. As, yeah. as leaders, if we can provide hope to our people and notice the good stuff, when we're losing, we notice all the bad stuff. So mm. Tanner, you? Yeah, Tanner, how yeah. about you, man? Yeah, for sure. I think a big thing for me, um, like going back to junior high is kind of when I first started getting into leadership, like taking my leadership classes and uh, just learned a ton about like the main model was servant leadership. Um, and then I specifically remember a time like this was the end of the year, eighth grade. And like I ran for ASP president and ended up losing and, and was kind of bummed about it. And my leadership teacher um, comes up to me and he goes, hey, I just want you to know that you don't have to have a title or a position to be a leader. Um, and I thought in that I felt that like going into my ninth grade year that you don't have to have the position of ASB president to lead people and to be a leader in this school. Um, and so I thought that was super impactful that just you can lead from whatever position you're at. You don't need a title. Yeah, I think to that end, Tanner, there's, there's so much merit to having personal power. Mm. And in the old days, you had to have positional power. But I think today it's all about personal power. Personal power is influence, right? And you get influence by taking initiative and by encouraging others and by leading by example. And, um, and a lot, I mean, so all three of us shared a story <clears throat> where somebody encouraged us for who we are instead of what we do. Right. And I think leaders need to remember that too. You know, like instead of encouraging people for what they do, let's encourage people who they are. And it always, it always means more when somebody encourages you encourages you for who you are and I've been guilty as a leader in my leadership journey too many times it's about the big sale or the big deal or the big performance 
And it's like, hey, out of baby, out of boy, hey, way to go. Um, instead of like, hey, this is who God made you to be. And I just wanted to point this out. This is what's in you. And, and I just wanted to remind you. Um, That's good. It's important to remember. That's good. Well, as we're kind of wrapping up, I'd love to just transition to, you know, you work with your wife. You know, I think what kind of COVID taught us, a lot of people are working from home. Yeah. And maybe sharing some businesses. So maybe what has helped you guys? What what tools can you can you share us? Because I kind of work with, with my wife a little bit. We kind of overlap a lot a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask you the same question. So coming, coming right back to you. Um, I think for me, you know, what's funny is everything that we just talked about around like self-awareness and feedback and communication, it's all right there. Like um, I can I can get on a podcast and I can talk about leadership and I can talk about feedback and I can talk about communication, but then I got to go live it out. And what I found is like leading myself has been by far and away my hardest, biggest leadership challenge. And so leading my wife and, and working with my wife and getting feedback and communicating well and growing in my situational self-awareness has been a challenge. And it's been something that I've loved. Like we really, really enjoy and value the work that we get to do together. But I think what we find is we, we bump into each other's imperfect. We're all imperfect people and we have imperfect ways of doing things. And so I think for us, the understanding of grace and the role that grace plays in our lives has been really important. And when you're gracious, you communicate well. And when you're gracious, you receive feedback. When you're gracious, you ask for feedback. And when you're gracious, you listen. And so I think for me, what I've learned is that grace is really important. I feel like God's been teaching me that and showing me that in my journey with Ashley and in our journey not just growing this business, but our marriage in general. Marriage is, is, is and can be really hard. It's also wonderful and amazing. But we're just, we, you know, because we work together, I think anybody that's married that's listening says, hey, I bump into my spouse's imperfect a lot, like we live together. <laughs> but I think there's even more of that when you work together and live together. So Colin, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna throw you the same question. Uh, what's been your greatest challenge uh, working so closely with your family, your wife, living at home, COVID season, like that whole big bottle of what, t- t- tell me about that. I think it's just, you're managing a lot more because the kids were doing homeschool. Now they're at school. It's, you have these practices and you have drop-offs and I have meetings, she has meetings. So it's like getting on the same page, but with time. So we have a house business meeting every morning. We have coffee together. We look at the schedule and just like map out, okay, what's the schedule? So we're trying to get ahead of the day and just overshare on that. I think the other thing that people need to, to remember when you're working with your spouse or around your spouse is that you got to date each other too, man. Yeah, come on. So it's like, as much as you want to put God first, you can't put your kids ahead of your marriage. It's good. You have to put, you, you have to put your marriage first. So um, two tools I would suggest every, every couple that's married or dating do. The first one is to know the love languages. So, I, so know how we re- we're given, receive love. You can order that book on Amazon. The other one talking about self-awareness is a self-awareness test called the Enneagram, which gives you a number one through nine. So how do I give and receive love? What is my personality trait? My my wife is an eight, which means she's like headstrong, confident. You know, um, she can make choices just like this. If you cross her path, like it's, it's over. 
where I'm a three, I'm an achiever, I'm a wing two, which is a giver. So I'm achievement. So like hearing affirmations and like I'm striving to get the next thing and I'm trying to help and more more kind. So just understanding kind of those two things. And that's why I think why we're such a great team, because like we're different, but our core values are, are very similar. Like her skills and her traits are different, but our values are the same. Man, that's so, so good. Yeah. So I would say, man, keep dating. So we we go out, we go on a date night once a week and just, just don't talk about work. Just have some fun. Let's get mm-hmm. back to why you why you got together in the first place, because she's intelligent. She's beautiful. She's uh, she challenges me. She's smart, you know, and then um, and just kind of knowing that. OK, or you can do like a, a different color assessment. There's the different person. just kind of get get an understanding of like where they're at, um, but over communicate, like you said. But uh, T Money, you want to add to this thing? We got maybe one or two more minutes because Jordan's got to jump off. I think I'm good. I think you guys covered it. Let me. Hey, can I just can I just point this out? I want to point this out about the way that you guys do things, and I've picked up on this from listening to other episodes and also just following your journey. You're so quick about, and you're so intentional about giving people tools. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to like move people emotionally or to inspire and motivate people. It's another thing to give them practical tools that they can use. And I think it's part of the value in the Master Mindset podcast is you guys are providing ridiculous amounts of tools. And you're, you're quick to do that. You're intentional about that. And so I just appreciate your, your spirit and your heart behind the work that you're doing. That it's not about just giving people goosebumps and saying a bunch of things that sound nice, but it's about helping people create real change in their personal and professional lives. And so I just pick up on that. I've got a bunch of notes from this conversation. It's not very often I'm asked to be on a podcast and I feel like I'm, I'm the one that has like three pages of notes. And, um, and I just want to say thanks for what you gave to me today uh, in this conversation. Y'all are the best. Jordan, you're the best. Why, man, you're, you're an amazing human, amazing leader, amazing husband, father. I mean, just knowing you these last few months, I've just seen your heart, you know, every week, you know, a message, you're getting me connected to somebody, just the kind words. So just hearing that from you, someone who's at the top of their game in this industry, it means a lot. Um, I took a whole page, pages of notes, my friend, I'm gonna go back and read this. Same here. Uh, you want to, you want to tell the listeners, you know, do we follow you on Instagram on LinkedIn or, or what? Yeah, uh, I'm active on all social media channels. I'm probably most active on Instagram, Jordan M. Montgomery on Instagram. Our website is montgomerycompanies.com. Uh, send us a message. We'd love to connect. If somebody's listening, they want to connect, they have a question, send me a message. I'd love to connect with you to add value to your world in any way that I can. Uh, and again, it was an honor to have this conversation with both of you. I appreciate the dynamic that exists between the two of you. And I'm wishing you all the best. And I'm excited about doing more stuff together because I know we have more good conversations and a lot of good hang time in our future. Can't wait. Amen. And we end every show with this, Timon. You ready for this? The body has limits. But the mind is limitless. All right, John. Thanks.